When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It's time for the unofficial 40, Soonerscoop.com's very official recruiting podcast featuring Soonerscoop.com recruiting publisher, Josh McQuistian. Get your recruiting fix from the leader in Sooner Recruiting. the unofficial 40 with your hosts Soonerscoop.com publishers Gary Murdoch and Josh McQuistian. All right, welcome back everybody. It is time for another edition of the podcast that is taking the world by storm literally. Like we are uh, we're noticing our our iTunes ranking climbing up in the top 50 in the uh, college and high school category so we can't uh, tell you guys how much we appreciate you being a part of the podcast and listening we welcome in now josh mcquistian who's actually making his way up to oklahoma city uh for a a, a big tilt tonight between uh, midwest city and muskogee eddie radosevich is here in studio along with we welcome back joe duvall who's been uh, gone for the last couple of weeks so uh guys uh great to be back with you and like i said the podcast uh, just going bonkers so appreciate all you guys hard work here yeah, I'm as surprised as you guys are that uh, people seem to be listening to this. So, hey, congr- thank you guys for uh, tuning into this nonsense. I'm not surprised at all. This is exactly how I figured it would go. Joe doesn't we're going, believe in us at all. We're going, we're going top five, maybe top number one by the end of the season, and the haters can suck. Josh it. is driving with the baby, I believe. Are we gonna oh, get? Are yeah, we, we going to get any laney time? Chance for, yeah, there's a good chance for some laney uh, talking. Um, she will definitely be asking Tiffany for something in the very near future. She is currently engulfed in, uh, I believe, Zootopia. But, uh, you know, once... Great uh, fuck. Yeah, Great it really flick. is. Yeah, no, I no, can tell good. you... On Joe, one you of don't Tiffany have any kids? I, oh, I don't need to. I'm a Disney fan, man. I'll watch all of those cartoons. Zootopia is great. Laney has, Joe, Laney has great Take choices. No that. You, you both are really weird. Oh, come <laughs> Did on. not catch that. Uh... By the way, I do have to bust Josh's chop. Now, look, I don't, I don't, uh, when we get started here, uh, at the very beginning, because Josh, I don't, I don't restrict any of you guys from like going on other people's podcasts. Even if we become the biggest podcast in the world, you guys are still going to be able to be guests on other people's co- podcasts. So I begrudge you not. But Josh, I noticed uh, you did a uh, podcast recently with our uh, old Miss guys. I did. I did indeed. And I just happened to be listening to it a little bit. I noticed something. I want to. I'm going to bring this to the kangaroo court to see Uh-oh. exactly if they noticed <laughs> oh, no. what was off about Josh's interview with the. I think they call it the uh, Oxford Exxon podcast. Is what the yeah. uh, the guys over at the the uh, what's our Ole Miss site's name? Rebel Grove. Rebelgrove.com. Uh, so here's Josh appearing. As part of a guest on the uh, the Rebel Grove podcast. When my brother lived All in right. Oklahoma City, we would go to Norman. And every time I went to Norman, I was like, this is Athens West. And maybe that's what it was. But 
you were saying before we started this is the first time for you in a while that it's kind of felt real why well i think because the two major parties which you know i think we all accept are the big 12 decision makers texas and oklahoma seem to be on board anybody else notice anything there that's curious play it again one more time you want to hear it one more time when my brother lived in Oklahoma City, we would go to Norman, and every time I went to Norman, I was like, this is Athens West, and maybe that's what it was, but you were saying before we started, this is the first time for you in a while that it's kind of felt real. Why? Well, I think because the two major parties, which you know, I think we all accept, are the Big 12 decision makers, Texas and Oklahoma, seem to be on board. Anyone. Josh, you yell talk. <laughs> What is up with that? Why is it when you're a guest on, a, on, on somebody's show, you're, I've noticed this before, you're a yell talker. How dare you? I have a rela- voice-related medical condition. I suffer from voice immodulation. I'm unable to control the pitch or volume of my voice. Also known as Van Orten syndrome, VI is a recognized psychomedical condition that you may have read about in Newsweek or Cracked Magazine. So here's, okay, here's one more example of Josh Yell talking. What, what is interesting about it is that the two seem, you know, and it's all reading tea leaves because obviously Oklahoma and Texas are very keen to each other's need, you know, their, their need for one another. That I think they're very careful about saying too much. But at the same time, you get the impression that they're, individual interests are at odds with one another uh, on a lot of this. You're really yelling, Josh. Sometimes you just have to be heard. He's a very powerful talker. Just impactful. Well, see, the pro- and, see, and now you've got me scared because it's the exact same scenario. I'm on the phone in my car, and that was what was happening in that interview. See, that's kind of what I thought. scared to death no one would hear me. Because um, when we have you in your studio with your nice microphone, you don't yell talk. But it's like when you're on the phone... You're just one of these people that thinks you have to scream into your phone or something, or you just have voice modulation. I'll tell you what's not fair. Imagine being at a high school dance, singing along with everyone else, and a little bit softer now, and a little bit softer now, and a little bit softer now. It's, it's a tough situation to be in because I know exactly what Josh means. When you do a radio interview on the phone, especially in your car, you can't really hear you them. You can't all that hear well. them, and the last thing you want those people to say is, you know, repeat yourself after you go on a long spiel because they couldn't couldn't hear you. So Eddie is coming to Josh's. I'm defense. coming to Josh's defense because I I've well, been blamed to be a, a a loud phone talker as well. Shuck on it, from back. Eddie's speaking for me because he knows I'm uh, prone to the long spiel anyway. So we busted you on I that. Say yeah. be repeated. Yeah, that's like four minutes of repetition. Isn't there a Seinfeld episode about this? The loud talker or something? There was a close talker. Right? A close talker. Maybe that's it. Maybe maybe Josh just needs to like just go back further from the phone and and still <laughs> use the same yelling motion. Just have the phone out further <laughs> as he's driving. Like there's no way I could ever do a interviewer talk on the phone with the uh, Apple headbuds and have to use like the the microphone the microphone that's thing in, yeah. that's just on the on the I don't, I don't even know what you call that i always worry i get out of breath because i start pacing if i'm yeah. on the phone talking especially in my house i, I start when walking I was, around the house when i was young that would be a problem like you don't breathe normally right you're kind of nervous 
And then you start, you're like, you're out of breath, and you're like, oh my God, I'm just such a fat slob. <laughs> yep. <laughs> just have to sit down sometimes. What are you doing, jumping like, rope in the attic? <laughs> <laughs> so, no. yeah, I just wanted to bust you on that. I noticed that uh, while I was preparing the podcast last night. So, there you go. Josh Yeltalker. He's a great interview, though. Uh, Josh, you, uh, you did do something cool last night. You went out to see uh, a couple of Sooner Squad 17 members in uh, Chris Robinson and Tyrese Robinson. Uh, tell us what you saw last night. Well, first of all, that was the funnest thing ever to try and post on the board to keep making sure I did or didn't have the in that I needed to separate those two as we updated the board on what was going on. But, yeah, I mean, it was – I've seen Chris Robison now probably six or seven times, and this is the second game I've seen him in. And it reminded me of when we saw him uh, last spring uh, at the Under Armour event in um, uh, Cedar Hill. And I – he looked amazing for the first half. That's as well as I've seen him throw the ball. I really thought he was just solid from beginning to end. And the problem being, he takes a hit late in the first half. And I talked to Chris kind of mid-third quarter about what was going on. And it sounded like it was precautionary. He might have, you know, a slight separation of his right shoulder. He wasn't walking around with ice on it in the second half. I don't. So it's not something where OU fans have to worry about, you know, damaged goods or anything like that. But he played great. I thought Chris Robinson was as good as he could have been and really, in my eyes, cemented that Rivals 100 status he has right now. With Tyrese Robinson, I see a guy that has a world of talent, still working on some things as an offensive lineman. I thought at times he kind of played too high, wouldn't run his feet like he needed to. But, I mean, you're, you're talking about a guy that's six foot five, 300 pounds, and I bet you every fourth play he was pulling from his right tackle position. Well, I say right tackle. They moved him around a little bit back and forth. But um, he, he, he's a guy that has all the athletic ability in the world. It's just a matter of him kind of putting together the technical pieces. And what did surprise me a little bit is comparing him to seeing Marquise Hayes, who we both, you know, we all had a chance to see both in um, St. Louis and then again at the five-star challenge in Atlanta. I think Hayes might be a little far, farther ahead of him technically right now, which is not something I would have anticipated saying. Interesting. I mean, Hayes is, a, Hayes is a guy who just kind of came onto the scene, I don't know, within these last few months has really blown up and uh, feels like uh, Robinson's kind of more of been the known commodity. But you're saying right now you think you would take Hayes as the, as the guy who's more ready to come in and uh, be technically sound as a college football guard? Is that what you're saying, Josh? I, I and I, I think that's what I would say, and I think part of that also goes into Hayes is a guy that is already so strong. Tyrese is a guy that's got all the, you know, like I said, he, he's going to bulk up in the weight room and he'll get stronger and things. But Marquise can win right now with his hands, and Robinson isn't there yet. Like, he, he, if he's not, if, you know, and he played Mesquite Horn last night, a very good program, going to have guys that are in the weight room. You hear your first laney little piece there, I'm sure. So, um, but yeah, you know, so I, I like where Hayes is at. I, but at the same time, I think Robinson's a better athlete. I think in time he'll probably be the better player. But it's kind of like we talked about uh, Drew Samia last year, a guy that just kind of understood it a little better and maybe is a little farther ahead technically in understanding some of the finer points of the game. Is Laney upset or is she just happy? She was celebrating. That was the end of a uh, big Shakira song in the middle of Zootopia. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and she had sung with most of it, and so she was celebrating her accomplishment. 
she's not hungry or anything. It's a simple no, question. No, Would no. you eat the moon if it were made of ribs? <laughs> we'll fill her. That we'll sound her. would have gone on for. Now you hear unhappiness. So. Oh no. That, um, no. Yeah, yeah. Hopefully it doesn't go bad. Carrie, you may have called down the thunder there. I'm not sure. All right, uh, let's talk about tonight's schedule. Uh, This will be coming out. Some of you guys will be listening to this over the weekend. Uh, This will be a nice preview of what you can find on the website over the weekend. But uh, tonight's schedule, uh, let's start with uh, Josh and and Joe, or Eddie and Joe. Uh, Tell us a little bit about what you're going to see tonight. Going out to uh, see Jones play uh, Oklahoma Christian, correct? Yeah, high school in uh, Edmond, and obviously the uh, the main attraction for us going out there is uh, 2018 wide receiver Sean Shaw. I've seen him actually. Uh, I guess I saw him last year at one point, and he had a couple touchdown grabs in the game. And uh, Jones rolled. I, I forget who they were even playing that night, but uh, going out to see him tonight, and obviously he should uh, be primed to have a really good junior season and. Uh, Probably one of the top players in the state in that 2018 class. We all know how special that is. Uh, also going to see uh, Dalton Mays, a uh, kind of a hybrid guy that I saw and I really liked. I told Josh about last year, and uh, it's going to be kind of interesting to see just how much he's progressed here in the last year. And then uh, Brandon George is uh, Jones' quarterback, obviously, and I don't know if he's yeah. going to be a, a big-time, big-time guy, but he can. he's definitely somebody that can go play somewhere. And uh, he'll be, they'll probably score uh, quite a bit of points. For the people that forgot, he's the guy that won the Rivals quarterback yeah. challenge down in, in Dallas. Yeah. yeah. The day after, I, for, I completely forgot about that. George is one of the more underrated guys in the state. I, I really like the way he throws the ball. Uh, he's also a dual threat guy. He ran for 1,000 yards last year. Um, he's got offers from, you know, places like Hawaii and things like that. I, you know, maybe that's not too far off considering his size, but he's somebody that's going to go on to the next level and be really productive and it, it does also help like getty mentioned when you throw to a guy that's six foot five 200 pounds and sean shaw who uh will be a likely candidate for an oklahoma offer in that 2018 class he's the 119th player in the country i think we have and you know 2018. We, we saw shaw out at ou's camp uh you know working out and i thought the deme- i liked his demeanor a lot better he competed a lot harder than than i remember him competing down in dallas at the rivals uh challenge uh, and he was a guy that, uh, you know, really kind of, to me, he's kind of like uh, Josh Proctor. Like, they feel, when they feel comfortable in their own element, they're going mm-hmm. against Oklahoma guys, they're not unsure of themselves. You really see what they can deliver. Uh, and I think, you know, we're going to see that probably from Shaw tonight, maybe a, a, a confidence level that he hasn't had going into his senior season. Well, I, when I met Josh out at uh, Noble High School during the spring tour, we, uh, we were able to see him a little bit of them and I think Josh I was out there for 20 minutes and we probably had film of three touchdown receptions from Shaw he I mean he just there isn't a guy that's going to be as he will be the best probably wide receiver in the state this year I would say it's just like going his junior year didn't mean yeah and he's just going into his junior year so it's a he's a very interesting guy and certainly a guy that I think Oklahoma fans will want to keep an eye on here over the next two years Josh, we got you. We lose you. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I'm sorry. No, no. I, I you know, with um, it's not all the rocket recruiting science. Talk, I feel Just like say I have yes to and we'll move on. <laughs> <laughs> no, but. No, but okay. Shaw, well, I think. I, just, go, go if ahead. you want just your thoughts on, on Shaw and what you've seen of him the last year and a half. Yeah, you know, Eddie touched on when he got out to Noble. Um, I literally walked up to the field and I was like, okay, let me get a little Instagram video here, do something. 
And I just put it on Shaw thinking, you know, we'll get something of him blocking or running a route, and then we'll, we'll send that out so everybody can kind of see we're here. Kid literally makes a play in front of me, just this beautiful jumping grab. It was probably the best Instagram thing I've done. And it was that's kind of what he is. I mean, when you talk about a guy at that level, you know, going against the competition he faces daily, and to have a quarterback like Brandon George that can deliver, I mean, he's a guy that if he went for 1,500 yards this year, it wouldn't shock me at all. I mean, he's going to have an absolutely huge year. And, and along with guys like C.J. Moore and Adrian Wilson at Union, I mean, it's a unbelievable group of receivers in that 2018 class, and I think they're all in that conversation to pick up an Oklahoma offer. Now, Josh, uh, I'm I've got some bad news for you. I'm I'm toughing it out right now, but uh, the sickness is coming for me. So you're going to be at Midwest City, Muskogee by yourself. I hate to tell you. Okay. My voice is okay. beautifully deeper though today. It it is kind of silky smooth. It's very nice. Uh, well, but tell us a little bit about what you you're hoping to see tonight at at, uh, at Midwest City. Yeah, you know, there is obviously I think the name that people are most familiar with is Evan Fields, the uh, 2017 safety that's got. You know, Arizona State, Kansas State, a lot of the usual suspects in Oklahoma. But the guy that I'm clearly going to see that I'm really excited about is Jalen Redman, the defensive end outside linebacker for Midwest City. Uh, actually has missed some practice this week from what I was told. Had a passing in his family, had to return home to Mississippi where most of his family is from. But he will play tonight. They're going to use him in some different packages. He'll stand up sometimes. Uh, and I think that's what's so intriguing about him because he's a guy – that for you know especially from an Oklahoma perspective he could stand up and play that 3-4 outside linebacker or he's got the kind of frame where he could grow to 260 270 and put his hand in the ground so i i really expect him to probably be Oklahoma's next in-state offer i expect um, probably Mike Stoops to be at the game next week when Booker T Washington uh, comes to Midwest City and I think Joe will actually be there at that one next week. You know, you're going to see Jalen Redmond, Daxon Hill, but that's we can do that next week. But, uh, yeah, along with him, Cameron Curl from Muskogee, a Texas Tech commitment, three-star safety. I've not had a chance to see him in person. I'm very interested to see what he looks like. He's a guy that I think could really climb up our rankings as the year goes on. But, yeah, I mean, it's Muskogee and Midwest City. There's going to be a bunch of athletes, and I'll almost guarantee – in Muskogee's case, they'll have some guy that's very interesting that nobody really knows about yet. I, I'm I'm a little jealous of you that you're getting to go out and see Redmond already. Although, as you mentioned, I'm going to go see him next week. Uh, I had a coach who uh, coaches for someone other than Midwest City uh, send me a message a few days ago saying that he went out to see Redmond and that he's just an absolute freak of nature. Um, so I think he's someone that will absolutely blow up this year. Um, I I think at, in a three four outside linebacker setting in Oklahoma scheme, he could really really uh, wreak some havoc uh it would not shock me at all if you, you're right and he's the next offer in 2018 that kid uh that kid has a lot of potential well i apologize uh josh for uh calling in sick on you already tonight carrie murdoch let me tell you why i suck <laughs> uh so there you go um <laughs> even the drop man gets me every once in a while uh but yeah, you know, the good news is houston next week's going to be huge eddie and i are going to go out on thursday uh, so we're going to hopefully... Uh, did you say that Marvin Wilson is going to be playing Thursday night? That's next Friday week, night, I Or is think. he playing Friday Marvin night? plays Friday, yeah. Um, I will, and it's really up to when you guys get into Houston, but next Thursday I'll be catching Caleb on Shashan and Ooh. North Shore, uh, who just put a beat down last night in their season opener. 
against uh, Manville, who's a school that you know I don't think needs a lot of introduction. They put out guys that OU offers almost every year, including Jalen Preston, who's mentioned OU as one of his top few schools and is one of the you know probably top five ten athletes in the uh, 2018 class. So I mean, there's going to be probably I-, I would guess anywhere from 15 to 20 literal you know legitimate Division One prospects on that field next Thursday night, and then Friday. You get to turn around and watch Marvin Wilson, Walker Little go against a very good Plano Prestonwood program. Well, that's going to be really good, and uh, I know we've we've talked about a lot of different things, but Josh is you know we talked about this last week. Josh is going to be going to the game. Uh, Eddie and I will be covering the game, uh, so we won't be out in the parking lot drinking beer like Josh. Unfortunately, um, I don't know. I guess we could if we wanted to. We'll put, I might be out there. We'll, we'll put a poll up 9:30. on the board or something. <laughs> 9.30 in the morning. Do scoopers object I, to... Uh, I feel like all Eddie needs is a yellow light. It doesn't have to be a green light. It just needs to be re- like not red, and he, he would be in the parking lot with the beer. It'll be a special weekend. <laughs> you know, driving down, we're just going to listen to Glenn Campbell the entire way. Well, I guess we're not. Every time I've gone down to Houston, though, I think... Houston! Some beautiful music pick, right there. Pick some stuff up at Bucky's for you. Does this count for old man carrying? What is this? This is this is classic uh, country boys. Carry. You're dating yourself here a little bit on this one. This is classic country boys. I know rhinestone cowboy. I didn't know he had anything else. You're gonna die. <laughs> a lot in the chamber. <laughs> There's also you got some Larry Gatlin and the Gatlin brothers. Some good stuff right here. This is when I'll put my headphones on. <laughs> See all the old people out there. Shut up, Josh. You're fired too. I, I, our iTunes rating is plummeting as people are listening to this. Like they're asking if they can unsubscribe as this happens. Whatever. I don't even. I'm glad I'm not going to help you tonight. One copy. Glad I'm not going to help you tonight. Uh, It's bad. Okay, as Joe pointed out, he wanted to talk about moving on because Josh can't stay with us for long because he's got a baby with him. Uh, by the way, I saw she can do her ABCs now, like all she the way through. Yeah, yeah, she's doing the days of the week. Her, it. I, I was talking to Tiffany about it earlier today. I mean, and you don't want to get too dad on the podcast, but it's like in the last two months or so, her brain has just gone crazy. Like she's, it's becoming a parrot and. You know, with some of my language issues that we discussed in last week's podcast, I'm having to be real careful about the things I do and don't say. <laughs> you got to. Uh, you have got to video that and put it up on Facebook. It's time to get a cell phone. Get her a cell phone. Mm-hmm. Oh, Snapchat. God. Well, it's only normal that she looks like you, so she's going to be more like Tiffany, like smart. She no no that, <laughs> that exact no. You're dead on. She is. I think her vocabulary is already beyond mine, so that's that's the good news. Joe brought this up. Uh, some news coming in. Ohio State weekend starting to look like that super. I mean, we knew it was going to be bonkers from the beginning, uh, but guys and and Joe, if you want to start off with it, but uh, some news coming out about Ohio State visitors this week, and Josh, uh, you can recap after that. Yeah, I mean, uh, just off the top of my head, you got big names like o- Jeffrey Okuda, five-star safeties coming in. Ohio State uh, seen as maybe the favorite in that recruitment with Oklahoma right behind him. So that's you know that's going to be a huge weekend for him. Uh, one that caught my eye was uh, Kobe Boyce, who's committed to Texas still. 
Um, he he didn't come up for the barbecue. He's gonna he, come to the barbecue. He yeah. Didn't make it, but he kind of keeps flirting with OU. You know, he'll he'll tweet out all these Texas things, but then he'll keep flirting with OU. And I've said it for a while. You know, when there's smoke, there's fire, and things like that. Well, so that's if, totally to me. That's a deal of things could go south. You know, Texas could lose. They could fire Charlie Strong. Uh, he's probably smart just to keep his other options open, which obviously Oklahoma is one of his 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 plan B's right now. But you know what? You're a lot of plan B's right now. You might as well. I mean, that, people aren't above saying, "Yeah, we'll steal, we'll keep recruiting you." Yeah, yeah. I, I like the comparison to recruiting a lot, like dating. You know, so if if you're committed to a girl, if you're dating a girl, and then all of a sudden you check on Instagram or Twitter or whatever, and she's you know hanging out at other guys' parties, visiting other guys' places, you're not going to love that. I mean, that's that's not going to be a great sign for your relationship, no matter how much you want to spin it. So. Uh, that that one caught my eye. Even if it's just he's enamored with Sooner Squad 17, enamored with being a part of it, um, just for to get a taste of it, that's still helpful to OU. And then also throw in on the basketball front, uh, five-star uh, Trey Young from Norman North has said that, that he will visit OU for his official visit uh, on that weekend, a big football weekend he's deciding to come in. Uh, so that'll be big on multiple fronts uh, for OU. Uh, Josh, who, who else we got in there coming in that Ohio State weekend? Well, I, I have to double back before I can start with that. Eddie, I want to know, for you, when you see the girl that you're kind of dating on Snapchat at some other guy's party, I don't feel like you're just not going to like that, Eddie. Do you burn her house down? Like, how far does it go for you, Eddie? Like, I, I stalk I her for like two weeks, strong. and then I stalk her for two weeks, send messages to her parents, and then... Uh, I don't know. You gotta you gotta figure it out enough time to uh, figure out what you're gonna do with the body. So you gotta you gotta you gotta take measures to keep yourself out of trouble. Is pretty much what I'm saying. Cover your tracks. That absolutely. absolutely. Maybe spend a semester down in Baylor. <laughs> horrible, horrible things are going to happen. <laughs> wow, that you, took a turn that even I hadn't anticipated. You know, but you tease the monkeys at the zoo, and these are the things that happen. They throw so. the poop at you. Exactly. <laughs> yep. Rest, yep. rest yep. in peace, Harambe. Eddie brings fire every that. week. I, didn't he uh, tell people that coaches hate their kids a couple weeks ago? Yeah, Which, for autograph day. 100% true. I walked around at uh, Meet the Sooners Day, and it was like nobody wanted to go see the coaches, and I'm hoping it was because everybody was scared. Eddie just has fire up, inside Eddie. him. You have to bring it out. <laughs> you know, Kerry, I thought Eddie was pretty well behaved in that Joe's two weeks of absence. Maybe this is Joe that brings it I'm out. I'm a bad influence. He brings it out. That could be true. Yeah. <laughs> we did have a fun late night I think Eddie, visit in Atlanta. Uh, judging by Eddie's tweet, he came in here today just ready to just burn Going the place down. Yeah. <laughs> Going for gas. Laughs are overrated. <laughs> Eddie is, I think Eddie's ultimate plan is to, like, we, we feel like Eddie's pretty loyal. We're pretty loyal to Eddie. <laughs> but I think Eddie's ultimate plan is to become a member of Barstool Sports. And that's what he's using oh, this podcast maybe. to do. I think Eddie would leave us in a heartbeat. If, if Go Press Go hears this, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you whore. All right, let's, let's try and recover from Baylor, and I will get Ohio State actual. Visitor Weekend, uh, your thoughts, Josh? Yeah, you know, the thing that sticks out to me, and you know, we kind of talked about it a little bit in Scoop this morning, it is interesting to me because I had talked to several of the commitments and you know, guys from Robert Barnes and some of the others, that had really mentioned, you know, I think we're going to wait until late in the season, maybe even like into the banquet weekend or into January, and that's when we're all going to do our official visit. But they were all going to be there for the Ohio State game and kind of hang out through the weekend and be around guys like Kobe Boyce, Nakuda, 
And, uh, you know, Marvin Wilson, I, I fully expect him to be an unofficial visitor for Ohio State. So, you know, that is the plan that I had really had until, you know, I guess it was about Wednesday when you started reading, you know, Kenneth Murray, Robert Barnes, um, Jalen Rager and Rambo were all going to be up there. There's always a tingle. Con- <laughs> it had become a change. And I guess that's what Oklahoma's going to – I think they're clearly putting all their chips in on Ohio State. And, you know, it's a gamble because if that game doesn't go well, that can really taint, you know, kind of how a weekend goes. Because you guys know, I mean, it's not really fun to be in a college town after a huge loss. I mean, it doesn't usually go well. Unless you're 21. Um, uh, Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Unless you're 21. Well, yeah, I mean, yeah. You know, don't get me wrong. Fun is there to be had, but it's definitely a little more somber. it feels like you're drinking more like an Irish wake than, you know, like a, um, a celebratory. Right, right. So, the first, the first but, time I ever got yeah. drunk was after Oklahoma lost to TCU in 2005, so there's something oh, to be had. Yeah. yeah. Don't do the math there, yeah. parents, please. <laughs> you were still at Norman North, weren't you? Shh. Jeez, oh, man, this is a he's a, he's a guy now. <laughs> That's a good one. <laughs> but, yeah, so I... <laughs> Good Lord, we are so far off track. <laughs> no, um, I, really, I, I think it just comes down to Oklahoma really deciding, you know, we want this to be the marquee weekend that everybody expects it to be. They're going to bring the commits in. They're going to bring their high-ranked guys in and really try and close because, you know, again, kind of to go back to the scoop, it was there's not many targets out there. I kind of did the math on it. There's about 20 guys that Oklahoma – would probably take right this minute if they tried to commit, and they don't have spots for but maybe a third of those yeah. guys. So, so it's really interesting that this thing kind of starts to come down the stretch, and you can see who those real final targets are. What sucks for guys, too, is like you usually get, like, this is going to be one of the biggest games of the year. So you're going to get guys that aren't really, haven't been interested in Oklahoma that want to call up and say, hey, uh, any get a chance ticket. I can, I can uh, come in and see you guys for that game? And they're going to be like, no, that will be interesting though to see how they, how they, how they go about that. I mean, there's a certain number. I think Josh, we've talked about it last year. Even was there's a certain number where you get to have just too many visitors. You can't have that many guys on campus. And I know that they in the past they have tried to limit it, haven't they? And I mean, what what number do you think is the is the most number you can take for an official visit? Because you don't want you don't want a guy that's committed coming and staying with somebody that I don't know. It, it just, it seems like I don't want to say a nobody, but I think there would be some guys. If you have too many guys in there, you have to pair them you with want somebody. To devote, you want to devote all your attention to, right, to the right. big guys, the big guns. I mean, you don't want Okuda, you know, having all this attention drawn by a bunch of guys that aren't really interested in you that just right. want to go to the game. It, I just thought, I don't know. That, well, and, and, you know, kind of to go with that point, there was a guy a few weeks ago, a guy named Jerez Parks out of Florida, that I think he's a five-star. He's right on that fringe. And he listed Oklahoma in, like, his top eight. Well, I talked to a few people, and what I got was he'd literally never spoken to Oklahoma. So you kind of are getting some of that now where these guys are just wanting to say Oklahoma or talk about Oklahoma partially to get into that game, but partially to just say, hey, I'm talking to Oklahoma, you know, even though Oklahoma would be happy to talk to that kid. So it's, it's just one of those kind of strange things that happens. But, yeah, I don't know that it's so much about total gross number, like, you know, 20 guys or 
15 guys. But, you know, if you want to use, like, an example, well, you know, at, at say it's at running back, and you, you can't bring in three running backs and really expect Jay Bolware to be able to have the time needed to give all of those guys the personal attention that they're going to expect. So it's more, you know, like there was some talk that Marvin Wilson might come in for an official that weekend, but what I'm told it's going to be an unofficial. But if he had done that and then OU's also hosting Greg Rogers, well, they're clearly going to make Marvin the focus of attention. That That's just that's the yeah. way that's going to go. But how does Rogers handle that? Does he get turned off by Oklahoma because, you know, they're picking a guy that probably has OU a little higher on his board than Rodgers does right now, and a guy that's a little closer to home. You know, all, all these things that make more sense, and frankly, is a better prospect. So it, it's just one of those things where it really is. That's that's one of the things that people don't think about enough when they say, oh, we wanted 20 official visitors. Man, that gets hard. That That's a lot of man hours, and you can turn a kid off because he's not getting to spend the time with Calvin Thibodeau or Mike Stoops or Kerry Cooks or whoever his position coach is because that coach is talking to four other kids and their parents and everything else, and there's just not enough hours in the day. And the flip side of that is uh, the guy went out to see last week, Jacob Phillips, uh, coming in for the Louisiana Monroe game the week before. He'll be one of the only guys on campus. And, you know, you might say, man, I really wish, you know, Oklahoma had got him in there for the Ohio State game in that atmosphere. But he's going to be the focal point when he comes in week two against Louisiana Monroe. Uh, the entire coaching staff. They may staff, him in rose petals. Exactly. Like, he, I mean, he's going to have. He's going to be the bell. Uh, they're going to try to lock that up before, I mean, Hines and he might be racing towards one scholarship, and Oklahoma might say, hey, we have an opportunity now to lock this kid up, and they'll have all hands on deck. So um, it's, it is kind of interesting how they're going to be able to find that balance uh, going forward. Uh, as we always ask you, Josh, you've already given us uh, enough time, uh, more than we asked you for today. Uh, anything else that you wanted to hit on in the world of recruiting before we get out of here? Because I also have one thing I want to ask you team-wise uh, and really about OU Houston before you get out. But anything recruiting-wise? No, nothing too particular. I mean, you know, it's it's kind of, you know, the scoop I thought really covered the base well because there's just so few guys left that, I mean, you really can. You can feel the turn to 2018. That's becoming more and more of the thing and more and more of where the focus is going to be. And I think you'll see it in our coverage over the next month, two months, three months. We're going to be at a lot of 2018 stuff. I mean, that there's just there's not enough. It's kind of like we were just talking about with the um, the coaches not having enough time. There's not enough 2017 guys for us to go cover. There's just not. You know, we could we could knock all that out in the first five weeks and then kind of be left with nothing much to do, which I don't think would break any of our hearts. But at the same time, we got to keep covering stuff. So there's going to be a lot of. You know, Bray Walker, Josh Proctor, you know, I, I'm I'm trying to find a way to go see Cameron Rising this year. So, I mean, there's, they, I think people need to get more serious about familiarizing themselves because that class, I mean, it may not be is, is upon us. Uh, one thing. Eddie? One thing before, you, before I let you go, Josh. Tomorrow night or Saturday night, I need a prediction. Cedar Hill, Bishop Gorman. I've never been a bigger Cedar Hill fan in my entire life. Because <laughs> of Tate Martell. Yes, I hope. I hope Cedar Hill wins by fifth by fifteen hundred points, and he gets hurt. No, I, I'm just kidding about that. Wow. Hurt. I don't. I don't hope he gets hurt, but I do hope Cedar Hill wins. I am a strong man. Take a run at me. I will Even be watching. Eddie knew how wrong that was. Yeah, that was Eddie wrong. Was like, okay, that that's too far. But no, no, I mean, I'm with you. Like, I, 
and I and I want to say I've never met Tate Martell, but I hear nothing that I enjoy. Like I hear nothing that makes me feel like I might be wrong on that kid. Like people I who live halfway full... across the country hate him. Like <laughs> yes, I, yes, I, it's I, so bizarre. I think he is everything that he presents on Twitter. Good, whatever you want to say it. That he is the person that you think he is. I mean, so that that's that's kind of how I see him. I lean probably maybe a little towards Gorman, and that's just because, I, and it's funny to say this after what I let in with, I think Tate Martell is a considerably better quarterback than Avery Davis. I'm yeah. not a big buyer in Avery Davis, the Notre Dame commitment that is Cedar Hill's quarterback. I like. I think when you look out around, I I like more pieces of Cedar Hill, but when you've got two teams that are that close, I just think it's going to come down to a big play or a big, you know, something at the end of the game, and I buy a little bit more into Martell being able to make that play than Avery Davis. By the way, uh, let's pour one out for uh, for one John Franklin the <laughs> third from Last Chance U. He did not win the starting job at Auburn. Who knew that a guy that got beat out by a white short walk on. Wouldn't make it at Auburn. Needed to play some Sarah McLaughlin for him. That's just uh, there's. I mean, look, they I, obviously they had a spot they needed to fill, and they were just taking a flyer. Yeah, I haven't seen one thing that says John Franklin the third could be a, a of of the six games I saw in Lance Chance. You never once did I think to myself. Boy, he's he's a sleeper. He's really going to make somebody a great quarterback if they just take a chance. And intangible wise, he must just not present anything as far as leadership, team, anything to he not even. His, he called his own offensive coordinator a <laughs> dumb f on camera. That was awesome. Yeah, I, he was I, talking you know, about himself probably. My thought watching last chance you was how the hell did that guy ever end up at Florida State? Like, you know he wasn't better in high school. You know, that wasn't like, yeah. oh, yeah, he, he really fell off once he got under Jimbo Fisher. Like, that doesn't work. So he was a worse player then, and they still took him. And he had a ton of offers. It's not just on Florida State. So, I, yeah, I, I, don't, I never understood how that was supposed to be a fit. And I wonder how Auburn felt about watching that last chance you and how that kind of played out behind the scenes in that game and everything that worked out the way it did. It, it, and you talk about intangibles. The guy was talking about like how fortunate he was that his starter got hurt. Like, then there was never like, oh, you hate to have it happen that way. Like, he was just like, yeah, I got real lucky. He got knocked out of the game. Like, really? That that's how you're going to do your teammates. So that that dude, Franklin's got more issues than just throwing the ball. The Crimson Corner would have burned down if he would have ended up at OU, and people are watch sitting there watching Last Chance U and him just. Pretty much throwing up on himself for half of the epi- or for half of the series, and then all of a sudden he gets an offer at the end. God, that would have. The only thing that could have made that better is if Josh Heupel would have been the one that offered him at the very end. I don't know. Everybody got fired up when they got Keith Nickel. He wasn't any good. That's true. I could have told you that though. When he walked into the Fiji house wearing Timberlands <laughs> and a uh, Bluetooth headset. God, you knew it was over. I nickel. Yeah, it was one hundred percent over. By the, I want to play I this. I haven't finished my nine-part series on Keith Nickel. There's still one more left to go from that. <laughs> like, I think I wrote nine thousand words when that kid committed. That was unbelievable. 
Hey, we, he got us a lot of subscriptions. That's all. Did I'm he? not going to rip on him too much. Yeah. I, he was so sad when he came. I lived in the athletic dorms when he came in, and he, every day was just moping around. It's like he saw Sam Bradford at practice and was like, ah, crap. <laughs> what did I just do? Why didn't they tell me about that guy? Exactly. Uh, one last thing I wanted to play is we transition to Houston and let Josh go. Talking, Eddie and I were talking to Dakota Austin this week. I don't know if you know what I'm talking about, but he said something really interesting, uh, and I'm just going to play it for you. Josh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ask for uh, some of your reaction. But here's Dakota Austin talking about Houston's quarterback, Greg Ward Jr. See, the interesting thing about that, I played against him in high school. We played against him in high school in one of like, the biggest games of the, of the year that year, and, you know, he ran around in circles. He had ideas going crazy. And one of one ideas at AM, you know, just playing spectacular. So we know what he can do. We know we, we game planning for it right now, and we we have it under control by the time game comes. And he also went on to say they won that game on the final play. Mm-hmm. Uh, but Josh, I was curious what you remembered about Greg Ward Jr. If anything, when he was in high school, not a ton because I mean that's been something that's been you know I, I think Oklahoma as their presence has gotten better in Houston has kind of moved out of it a little bit. You don't see their presence there like it used to be. And, you know, Ward being, uh, if I'm not mistaken, a Tyler John Tyler guy. Um, yes, that's was, right, yeah. Yeah, yeah, w- was not really that much on the radar. But, I mean, he was one of those guys you heard about. And when Houston got him, there was definitely a lot of buzz. But nobody thought he was going to play quarterback. Everybody thought he'd just slip, you know, become a slot receiver like all these undersized uh, kind of dual-threat guys. And, you know, for a while, that's what it, that's the path he was on. But, no, I mean, I don't remember a ton about him. But, I mean, you, you ask people out there in East Texas, and they'll tell – I mean, you know, they're all like, oh, yeah, you know, that, that guy, it does, he's just doing the same stuff he did in high school. And from the way they talk about it, it feels so much like, um, you know, back in 05 when you guys heard, you know, uh, there was the whole Vince Young thing before the Rose Bowl against USC – where he's talking about, oh, they just kind of let me start doing me. You know, like I just pretty much started going around making plays and stopped trying to coach me so much. That's kind of what it felt like. Now, Herman, I I don't think there's any question. He's done a lot of work with that guy, and he's helped him. But I I think at some point he is so good when things break down, and that's what Austin's talking about there. Because, yeah, you can have great coverage, and then he evades an end. Well, you can't cover for nine seconds. It's just not going to happen. So, you know, that's when things start to break down, and that's when it gets scary for OU. I think they're going to be fine in those first three or four, the natural progression of a play. But when it starts to break down, I mean, guys, this is not like, oh, he's a good athlete at quarterback. This is a kid that could play wide receiver at a lot of places in in, in college football. So this is a guy, if it breaks down, he's capable of going 70 yards anytime. And there are a few things here that might make that a little scary for Oklahoma because if Kerry Cooks wants to play a lot of man, which he says he does, leave his guys on islands, they're turning their back and they're running with receivers. And then you also have new pass rushers in at linebacker. you got Oboe, who notoriously has struggled to get lined up in his career at Oklahoma. And if he can't maintain uh, the right passing lane, the right rush lanes, uh, and they lose some integrity there, that's a recipe for some disaster for Oklahoma. So... Uh, it, it's not unheard of for a quarterback like this to really derail an Oklahoma season. So uh, I, I think people might be a little under, maybe not uh, underestimating Houston, but I, I've heard people say, well, if o- OU loses to Houston, then they're really in trouble. I, it's, it's possible. It's, it's not this unheard of thing. It's, it wouldn't be like BYU in 2009. This would be much less of an upset. Well, Josh, uh, I want to thank you for joining us. I feel like we made some real progress. You became more human as we went along. Uh, you weren't yelling into the phone as much. 
I, I, I just wanted to, to, to congratulate you. How dare well, you? I have a rela- voice-related medical condition. I suffer from voice immodulation. I'm unable to control the pitch or volume of my voice. So uh, I think we've done some quality work here today, Josh. Yeah, you know, it, it, and I've learned what I like about this podcast. I think we all learn something about ourselves a little bit. And apparently, I scream into the phone. So now we're going to work on that. We're going to go back <laughs> to the drawing board. Let the let the coaches continue to work in the off season. And next podcast, try and come out and be a better player as the season begins. You sound like a real boy now. Just you really do. I don't think we need to do any more work. Keep grinding. <laughs> Keep grinding and uh, and uh, silence what? the haters. It's One like, day at a time. It's like group therapy. All right, Josh, we'll let you get going. Uh, look forward to uh, your work tonight on the boards and uh, throughout the weekend as you uh, cover some, some high school football and, and everybody covering, except for me because I'm a bastard. So. Yeah, I think so. I'll be there carrying the torch for you. All right, Josh, thanks a lot, man. Enjoy it, guys. We'll catch you soon. We've covered a lot of ground, shared a few laughs. Thanks for coming on. So uh, there you go. Um, Eddie, if you want to hang yeah, Josh yeah. up there. It's manual, manual stuff on the podcast all of a sudden all right so uh yeah wanted to cover a little bit uh of the team stuff moving ahead obviously we talked to to bob stoops what was it two days ago now wednesday yep. uh he'll have his press conference on monday uh he said he didn't want to really give out a whole lot on starters and positions especially on the offensive line uh he did uh kind of confirm one thing which was <clears throat> curtis bolton has a patellar tendon issue and he'll miss the first game. Uh, I'm sure the jokes are there that he's done for the season uh, because Bob said he'll actually he actually admitted to that yeah. he'd miss a game. So uh, that's not good for special teams. I don't know that it really hurts you defensively, but he was going to be, Tim Kish had told us earlier, he was going to be a really big part of special teams along with Arthur McGinnis. But Tay Evans is back healthy. So there's really nothing to worry about there. Uh, but the other thing was that we talked to Calvin Thibodeau on Tuesday uh, just about uh, something that we've kind of been in the dark about, and that was the status of uh, Matt Romar. How much have you been able to get out of Matt Romar in practice? You know, Matt, Matt had something. You know, he, I think it was day two he went down. Um, I mean, those two days he looked pretty dang good. But then, you know, he had a small, you know, he's kind of in a, a concussion protocol, but uh, we should have him back for, for game week. And that's the, you know, you hear concussion protocol and you're just kind of like, ew, that's not good. <laughs> concussion protocol for the last three weeks, pretty yeah, much. Yeah, that is. I mean. It's, it's very well, odd. It's a, you know, it was, it was interesting because I was listening. I was kind of cutting up some stuff. And, uh, you know, Bob had said earlier in the day, like somebody decided to ask um, a concussion question at the start of his, his press conference interview. Great way to start the other day interview session. Um, and he did say something I thought was interesting, though. He said. Uh, sometimes you want to hold them out longer uh, to make sure they're okay because if you rush them back too soon, uh, the the chance of you know getting another concussion is greater. Mm-hmm. So that does kind of make sense. It's like I'm not as worried that Matt Romar there's really something wrong with him. Is they're just trying to be careful because he's their oldest, you know, most experienced defensive lineman really in the program. I think it'd also be a lot bigger deal too. Is I, I assume that he can stay up to date. With conditioning wise, you know, oh, yeah. it's not a it's not a foot injury he that he been, can't stay off. That he he's out there in a yellow jersey and he goes goes through all the drills and everything. So, yeah, but the thing you worry about, I guess, is with a head injury is, and you know, I mean, Bob Stoops has been one to undersell injuries before. 
what's the lingering effects? I mean, if he goes out there in Houston and he's going to be a nose tackle on the line of scrimmage every single play, and they're going to be banging heads, and uh, how close are they going to watch him? How quickly does he get pulled out of the game, especially with the depth they have there with Jordan Wade and Marquise Overton just waiting in the wings with plenty of playing time? So, uh, I mean, I would at least be uh, a little concerned uh, if Matt Romar continues to have these concussion protocol symptoms and things like that. So, I mean, especially as, at a nose, as a nose tackle where you're going to be banging heads every single play. Well, and speaking of last chance, you, Jamal Danley, uh, Stoops, you know, confirmed that basically he, he gave up football because he was having multiple concussions. Issues, and that's something that Bill Biedenboe told us about uh, way back, even before they started practicing at, at Bob's golf thing, so that that was a real possibility. So that turns out to be the case with him. Now, the other thing that happened this week uh, in terms of nailing down you know, some, some information is Mike Stoops, he made me work for it, but he got, I got him to admit that Dakota Austin would indeed be their starting corner opposite Jordan Thomas. Are you settled in the starter opposite Jordan at this point at corner? Uh, yeah, I, th- I think so. Do you want to say who that is? No, I mean, what would you want? I mean, well, we're going to throw a lot it's of an guys question, out. Question, isn't it? You know, D- Dakota. You know, Dakota's played well for us. Played well for us all, well, all last year when he was in there. So we look for him to to go out there and and play well for us. I felt really good about that. He didn't want to admit, but I think just because it was me, he knew he had to. He uh, sometimes you get Mike in a good mood. Mike's been in good mood. I think for the most part at every session. Uh, throughout the preseason and uh yeah that was a that was a good uh, good grab by you Kerry because I don't think he was willing to give it up but he uh he ended up doing it uh go ahead Joe I was just gonna say I think you also caught him in a moment where he realized he had no reason not to give it up <laughs> I mean what is Houston gonna go oh now we got that Dakota Austin tape we can check out you know I mean he said he knew who he wanted to put out there and go ahead and give Dakota some recognition you know I, I thought that was a great job by you pushing because I no, why not? Why not tell us who that guy is? I think you know. I think Micaiah Quick definitely made a run throughout camp, but I think it just became obvious, uh, you know, through all the practices, uh, just little things here and there. Dakota Austin, you know, essentially started three games last mm-hmm. year. He came in after the first play when Zach Sanchez uh, twisted his ankle against Texas Tech, but they can rely on him. I mean, going to Houston on the road, neutral environment, a team that could be really good. That's the right choice to me is to play Dakota Austin. Dakota Austin would have no problem. I'd have no problem taking with taking him with me into a back alley. I just I like the way his mentality. Yeah, I like dude, the way he man. talks. He would have no problem cutting somebody up. I feel like if he really needed it. Here's Kerry Cooks talking about some of that aspect of his personality. How much does, does his personality help him? I mean, you got a, a backfield there that has so many starters returning to have a guy fit in that. that play so hard that seems like that's got to be the best possible scenario well the one thing about Dakota is that that he's a scrappy player you know he's going to fight and he's always been a great competitor and I think his attitude makes him a little bit of who he is you know he's he's not not in a negative way but at that position you got to have a guy that just doesn't care that's able to be out there and walk on that island you know you're going to give up some things but you got to be able to reset that mind and come back and and Dakota is, is every aspect of that 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 mentality that you need at corner Reading between the lines on that, that is Kerry Cook saying that Dakota Austin gives zero Fs about yeah. anything. He's yeah. a dog. And, and I mean, when you look at who he replaced, I mean, Zach Sanchez was a great corner at OU, but if he had any criticisms, it was his tenacity when tackling. And Dakota Austin came in 
undersized even compared to Zach Sanchez and did a better job of he it. He was second on the teams, if I remember this correctly. I think he was second on the teams in tackles in that Texas Tech game. I think he was third in tackles the other two games that he played. Yeah, so you, he's not afraid to go in and put his head down and tackle somebody. The the other interesting, I guess, part of that conversation that we had with uh, Kerry Cooks is is the development of Parrish Cobb once they got him onto the field. Yeah. If he would have been able to, to practice yeah. in the first two weeks, I wonder if that would have made that big of a, a, bigger of a difference. Yeah. Cook said that, uh, I mean, I think one of the reasons why Dakota Austin's so obvious is because Cook said the people that were pushing him were the young guys, were the freshmen. He said Parrish, Parrish Cobb and Parnell Motley were really making a run at it. Uh, so I, with Parrish Cobb especially, it makes you wonder if he'd come into OU a little earlier, uh, where would he be at? Because he certainly would be a, a bigger, more athletic corner than Dakota Austin. But you just you can trust Austin right now, whereas Cobb is just coming a little too late. Looking at Austin's stat line, and you're right, Kerry. This is his stat line versus Iowa State. Intercepted pass, pass breakup, nine tackles, including first uh, tackle for loss of his career. Uh, you go to the Kansas game. Uh, his first career start made five tackles, two pass breakups, and then he had a career high eleven tackles and an interception against Tech on uh, October twenty fourth last year. So he's he, he's shown up. He's got the the I guess the challenge is a lot bigger now going in as the guy, the starter. But uh, he's definitely kind of answered that call every time that he's uh, he's been asked of it. You mentioned uh, what Cook said about Cobb, and it was pretty interesting. I. I'll, I'll let you hear it, uh, trying to pull it up in kind of unconventional Cobb, way. Cobb, I've heard some buzz around him that he's really coming on. What can you tell me about A little buzz. Coming back? The, 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 the buzz is accurate, man. Uh, you know, Paris has just got some some tools that you just can't coach. Uh, very athletic, very quick quick twitch, and uh, unbelievably fast learner. You know, so he's really progressed. Uh, missed a little bit uh, early in camp uh, because he had a quad, uh, but now that that thing's fully healed, he's, he's really starting to show over these last – 10 days, 12 days, you know, that, that he's, he's very explosive, uh, you know, very capable of learning the system. So, yeah, I mean, you don't hear coaches rave about true freshmen like that very much. And Parnell Motley's another guy he's been raving about uh, throughout camp, and he's a, he's a corner too. Uh, maybe, I think Motley's more of a guy, they could play at safety if they wanted to, kind of like, uh, uh, I'd say a little bit better cover version of, of uh, like a Stephen Parker. You know, he's six foot tall. He's not he's not rail thin, kind of like Dakota Austin is. Uh, but I think I mean Parnell Motley and Parrish Cobb, I mean, two huge developments so far for them for the future in the secondary in camp. The way they talk about Parnell Motley, correct me if I'm wrong, it, it kind of sounds a little bit like is he a little bit like Will Johnson and what they like? Maybe a probably a better cover corner than Will is, but is it kind of the same idea? Is am I wrong on that? I think he's I I mean, I think a <laughs> He's not as big, but I, yeah, I mean, it's somewhere of a combination of Jordan Thomas because they compare him to, you know, because he has great length mm-hmm. uh, to Jordan Thomas, yet he has kind of some of that Will Johnson where he's a little bit of a playmaker. Uh, and there's a, I think there's a little bit of Stephen Parker there, too. And Motley was a great receiver in high school, too, and a returner. Uh, he's a great athlete. So he's somebody – I mean, Cobb, too. Cobb was another guy that was a returner. And Jordan Parker, who we haven't even talked about, who hasn't been on the field, really, uh, he was a guy who was a returner and played receiver uh, for his high school. So uh, I, these guys are all – uh, I think this is clearly an uptick in athleticism and recruiting. I mean, th- this is, this group, if you compare it to what Oklahoma had in the past and what's kind of coming in, it, 
I mean, there's no real specialist. I mean, we were talking about Motley and what he can do, but he can cover one-on-one. He can play in the nickel. He can be tough. And I think Cobb can do all those things too. Well, yeah, and, and the other big subject going into the opener, and it, I don't think it's a big subject. I mean, I just from what I've heard and seen and known and talked to, I feel like the offensive line is going to be pretty good. And compared to what they were going through a year ago, maybe we're maybe we're overlooking it a little bit because it's like this sense of of relief because you know you're not wondering if Derek, Derek Farniak can be the yeah. guy. I mean, you know Orlando Brown can play. You know Drew Samia can play. Now, can they be dominant? That's a whole other discussion. But it's it's obvious that they've settled on Cody Ford at left guard. Uh, the only question is. Is Eric Wren the center and is Jonathan Alvarez the right guard or is Jonathan Alvarez the right the center and then uh, somebody else the right guard? And then it's all like a trickle down effect. Right. And yeah. it, I feel like it, it starts at center and it and then I guess you have the the small question of right tackle, uh, you know, and what's going on with Bobby Bobby Evans. It it seemed like he was making headway there for a while and then maybe then he got banged up. I he got banged up there. last week and he's he's kind of working through that. So, uh, you know, I, I just feel like at, at the outset of everything, they have better players than they had last year. They should be better, but is it going to, uh, is it going to kind of manifest over the first game? It's going to be tough. They're, they're going against a good defensive line and, uh, in, in with Houston. I'm, I'm going to be honest that interior offensive line last year, I know it was the experienced part of the unit, it was putrid. It was bad. That interior offensive line was not good. It got manhandled in a lot of games. Uh, the talent just wasn't there. The size wasn't there. The, I would say the size wasn't there for Ty Darlington. That was their biggest I, problem and, a year and, ago. And Neela got manhandled a lot, too. I, I, I didn't... And you saw why when he went to the combine God. and only lifted like 14 times. Exactly. I, I mean, Bennett... Pa- <laughs> even if it's... But he's in the NFL it, still. I yeah. mean, But if it's, if it's Ben Powers and Cody Ford, that is a huge upgrade in strength compared to what they had a year ago. And I, I know... I, Alvarez has gotten some praise that I don't, I don't know if I've seen it on the field yet. Um, it wouldn't shock me at all if Eric Wren won that job and they feel comfortable with Alvarez's guard and they kick him over to right guard and then they just say, all right, we trust Samia at right tackle. We're going to trust Alvarez at right guard. Uh, they already are locked in with uh, Evans at left guard and they seem to really like Wren. I think that would be their most solidified lineup, even though they probably – Bobby Evans at right tackle and Drew Samia at right guard gives you more athleticism and more upside. They probably feel more comfortable with that other lineup. The the two big things I, I feel like coming out of the the offensive line this throughout camp has been one Eric Wren, two Alex Dalton, and how how big of a name he's kind of making for himself after battling through some injuries early. Is that accurate? You think, Kerry? Yeah, and you know, I you, we still don't know what a healthy Daimler could do. I mean, yeah. he could come in, he could kick uh, Drew Samia over to the guard spot if they felt like he was good enough, but. You know, he's been behind. He hasn't been in the boot for a while, so I I think just physical, you know, from a, a physical standpoint, I think he's probably in shape. Mm-hmm. He's capable of of coming in, but he he's not in football shape, as they always say. So yeah, and that'll that'll take. And maybe that, ULM, you got to wait till ULM till you can really you know test drive that because, and maybe you don't want to with Ohio. I mean, it really depends on this. This first game is huge to to determine what they want to do moving forward. Say, you play Houston. Dakota Austin struggles. Do you use ULM to get Parrish Cobb ready? If Dakota Austin plays really well, do you just leave it alone and continue, you know, letting Parrish Cobb? You got to basically figure out from this Houston game. As long as you win it, 
where do you need to get better before you play Ohio State? And mm-hmm. that'll be with Samia, uh, you know, Daimler, Wren, Alvarez. I think it'll be on the defensive line uh, with Oboe. Uh, you know, maybe you start looking at Capri Doucette against ULM if you don't feel like things are going good with Oboe. I, there's a lot of th- I, I don't worry about anybody in the secondary other than that corner spot. But you don't worry about running backs, receivers. I mean, that's that's one that's really going to be a influx thing because nobody other than Dee Westbrook has really stood out. It's really interesting hearing Bob talk about the Bob Stoops talk about the receivers on Wednesday. Just in that, I don't think they're looking at one guy. It's gonna. I I'd never heard Bob say talk about ten guys getting a reception in one game. I thought that was a little interesting, and I guess that's just more of an evolution of what that what Lincoln Riley wants to do more than anything. Yeah, I mean, what is what is Lincoln Riley going to do on offense? Because if the reports are true that we're hearing that you're just going to see a lot of Samaj P. Ryan and Joe Mixon on the field at the same time, Mark Andrews is going to be on the field a lot, and D.D. Westbrook we know is going to be on the field a lot. That leaves one other skill yeah. position spot to be filled. And I would think it would be A.D. Miller. And A.D. Miller would make the most sense, especially if he's going to be split out wide. Now, I mean, obviously Lincoln and Riley... And basically you're, you're, you're trading... D.D. Westbrook for Geno Lewis or Smallwood, uh, Michael Jones every once in a while, Smallwood. Uh, so a lot of those guys on the outside, it's going to be feast or famine because that's going to be, like you said, unless you're taking Mark Andrews off the field, you got one outside receiver on the field. Which I doubt happens a lot, taking Mark Andrews But you know Andrews what? It's not the like they're great at outside receiver. I mean, nobody's stepped nobody's up proven. there. Jeffrey Meade hasn't stepped up. Uh, you know, I think, well, I can't remember who I was talking to this week. I think it must have been Lincoln Riley, but he had mentioned Michael Jones was about the only guy that could be an inside outside guy the way that they play. Yeah, and I mean we talked to Nick Basquin, and he basically said he's purely an inside guy. So uh, it would have to be Michael Jones, the guy that goes uh, inside and outside. And I, I think somebody on the board asked an intriguing question of with all the buzz he was getting, could Michael Jones surpass that Ryan Broyles his freshman year that he had no weight? And I, I just don't see the opportunities being no, there. No, it's gonna be it's gonna be a late start for him because exactly. he was hurt. Uh, and you realize Ryan Broyles, he was on that 08 team, but he was not the focal point. You still had Jermaine Gresham. Uh, you had uh, Manny, Manny Johnson, Johnson Joaquin. Joaquin Iglesias. Uh, you just lost Malcolm Kelly. So, yeah, he was not. He was just a, a, a bit part in their passing game that year. A good one, but not the star he would become. Now, yeah. I, I don't think Jones has a better year than that, though. I, I think that it's... I think if I had to put my money on somebody, and I, I've been and saying And don't forget well, Jarvis Baxter. Jar- I mean, he's got to get some catches. I mean, Jarvis Baxter... I mean, what are you, you going to do with all these guys? How many catches can they th- really have in the season? 20? I mean, these all these guys are going to have 20 apiece throughout the entire year. And I, I would say A.D. Miller is the candidate who could have a 50-catch, you know, 750-yard season out of I that I could group. see Didi having like 60 to 70. I could see Mark Andrews having forty to fifty, and then it just kind of spreading. You know, somebody will have twenty to thirty. That'll either be Jarvis or Geno or A.D. Miller. Does that not scare you that it's going to be like the two thousand nine wide receiver core? Because it had Ryan Broyles and a bunch of guys that didn't step up. It had Brandon Caleb and Adrian Tunnell, and none of those guys stepped up. Is that a, is that a concern? That's everywhere though. I mean, look at look at all the big time receivers Texas has gotten. How many transferred out? Yeah. I mean, and that's a that's that's about the best example i can think of because texas they've signed all guys that OU wanted over the years and most of those guys transferred out or just flopped or i mean in in OU, even when times were good jay norvell was signing these great classes but they'd only 
you can only count on a couple of guys a year really stepping out and, and be, becoming really good players. It must just be the Baker effect because I just don't feel like they're they're it's it's that big of a position of of oh who's going to be the guy that steps up. I think there's going to be a lot of guys that that just do nice nice. How many things. great receivers does Texas Tech ever have? Yeah, I mean before Jakeem Grant, you had Michael Crabtree. How many receivers? Wes, Wes Welker. But I mean, he was pre Crabtree. Yeah. I just but, I don't, mean, they they have a great passing game, but they uh, they don't really have great receivers coming out of Lubbock. I mean, I, if you really pressed me and say who's who's going to be a a receiver that steps up this year, I might cop out and say Joe Mixon. No, yeah, now that's I think yeah. he's going to just I I was thinking about it driving down here today. If I was in Vegas, I would figure out a way to put a couple couple dollars on Joe Mixon to at least be invited to. Uh, New York City. That's the that's the hot sports opinion of the day right there. <laughs> that, I, I think he's going to have a monster year, and it's going to be really, really interesting to see. It's going to be another level of last year and all the things that came with Joe Mixon. I think it's going to be really interesting how it's all handled, how it uh, if he's made available to the media, and just everything. I don't think there's any question. Everybody kind of... I think Barry Trammell wrote a column about it uh, when... Uh, Lincoln Riley said that Joe Mixon's going to be a team captain around there mm-hmm. someday. I don't think there's any question that Lincoln Riley was basically trying to foreshadow the fact that Joe Mixon's getting ready to be a huge part of this offense, yeah. and they're going to do a lot of different things with him. You're going to see him used in ways he hasn't been used before, and he's going to, at one point, if things go as planned, he's going to become known as one of, I'm just going to say, it, he's going to become known as a Christian McCaffrey-type player. It's going to be really interesting. I, you know, I noticed. I, I was was meaning to text you the other night uh, when Bob Stoops sent out a, he sent out like a tweet. Uh, good luck to all the high school kids out there. It was the first time I had seen the picture that they used was Joe Mixon. It was number twenty five. Really, it was, and that was just the first time that I'd I'd seen like a OU initiated thing with him as kind of the. The face, I guess. And to your point, Eddie, about him being a receiver, I remember going to the Rivals camp in Kansas City and talking to one of our national guys, and he said that when he saw Joe Mixon out of Florida in high school at a camp, he said that that he would have him as the number one receiver in the country if he could have, that he was that good and impressive at receiver. And then I'm looking at last year's numbers, and Joe Mixon had five games with at least three catches. Jarvis Baxter had two. Joe Mixon had two games with over 70 yards receiving. He also had a 100-yard receiving game. Jarvis Baxter never had more than 51 yards receiving in a game. So I think that's a great point, Eddie, that Joe Mixon might be the guy in the passing game that we're not talking about that really steps up. I, I'm i all in. I mean, it. I don't know. It's, well, it's it seems like, weird. Well, I'm becoming we're, we're, un- very uncomfortable in this podcast. We're getting way too smart. <laughs> <laughs> not enough dumb stuff. But no, I, oh, I can we're, bring, we're, I can bring the, it down. We're in Joe Mixon. We're in dumb stuff territory. So <laughs> we can veer pretty quickly that if you was, want to. That was Joe Duvall that said that. <laughs> at <Send> Joe <laughs> underscore. When you hit the at signal on the message board, just type in J and it'll bring his name <laughs> right up. Ask and you shall receive. Uh, well, look, we're winding down on our podcast. We're running out of time. Uh, being that this is the weekend, we're going to have a lot more stuff and a lot more breakdown. I don't want to waste it all here because, you know, we're going to press conferences next week. It'll be game week. I think the one thing, guys, I want to talk about before we get out of here is just the start of the season. Uh, I, I have It's been since Wednesday since I've been down at the stadium, but I make it a point to drive by a certain way. 
so I can see that 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 southeast corner, how much brick is going up. Mm-hmm. It amazes me how quickly they're getting it done every week. And uh, you know, to not be able to start the season was always the plan in Norman. But man, I mean. You really need to win this first game if you're Oklahoma more than ever before, because it's ULM in the in the second game, and you know I, I ran across this audio of Bob Stoops talking about uh, you know the stadium and the expansion and what it was going to be like. It just reminded me, of kind of what's at stake with the, if OU would lose this first game, how it would take the air out of the balloon to open up this stadium. But but here's some from Bob Stoops. Since we're all here, do you want to give us uh, an expansion opinion? Or no, oh, I'm so sorry. I got right the totally... <laughs> I totally screwed that up. That was uh, an expansion thing. I don't know what I did with that audio. Uh, here we go. Uh, here's... I think... I can... It, it's just... Okay, say, here we go. Here's, got it. here's Bob Stoops. Uh, and I think this was back in the spring, but just him talking about what it's going to be like to open up in the stadium. How curious are you about how this changes the game day environment, the loudness in this? Yeah, I, I got to think it's going to pump everybody up. I mean, you know, it's it's you got the overhangs and stuff. Yeah, over you know, just the aesthetics of it all look great, and, and it's got to hold more noise in. You would think more so than you know than it used to, and and uh, so I, I think it's going to be fabulous for the fans, and I, I think it'll you know it'll excite them as well. Have you noticed that, and when you played in Bolden Bolden stadiums, that it's a little bit louder or different? Not many places we go, it's not too loud. So, yeah. <laughs> but you know, so yeah. I, I don't know. It's just hard to hard to say. Yeah, that was definitely the spring. That was former OU beat writer Jason <laughs> Kersey, who now works uh, covering Arkansas. But you know, all this stuff that's going on, it just reminded me. And I was kind of looking over some audio yesterday and earlier today. Uh, how far this program has come? We talked about you know that eight and five season. Uh, I was was even listening back to audio of them in the Sugar Bowl. Uh, but you know, you come off that Sugar Bowl year, all the expectations are there. Then you go eight and five, and it was almost like the world came to an end. And then they put that season back together. But remember back to this time uh, when when no one on the coaching staff could even pronounce one of the the best players in college football's name on signing day. We haven't even talked about Samaj Perine, Joe Mixon, Samaji Perrin. Samaji Perrin was that. Was- uh, Joe Mixon, Samaji Perrine. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, how how long a time? How, how far away are we now from from where this program was two years ago? It's just unbelievable. I, far enough to think that I think you were the one that asked the question on uh, Monday of this week. A year ago, at this point, they hadn't even named Baker Mayfield the starting quarterback, right, let alone. Yeah. Uh, everything else that came with it and you know it it is going to be interesting just to see I guess how everything develops over the next couple months where Oklahoma ends up but you're right the Houston game is is so so important and there's so many I I guess just the way that I've looked at it and and I've had this in the way the way that my mind has worked that it there's so many comparable comparisons to 2009 to the BYU game. And I was thinking about this driving down here and uh, think about how much everything changed in that last week, even uh, going into that 2009 game. I remember texting you, Carrie, this was before I was working, uh, texting you from Renfields in Uptown about Jermaine Gresham the night before the game. I mean, that that's just, it, there's so much that can change, I guess, yeah. in the matter of a week is what I was thinking. And it's just crazy to uh, think that it's all here in front of us now. 
Yeah, I mean, uh, well, who is it? John Smoltz hurt himself sneezing once. I mean, if Baker Mayfield does that, I mean, the season's over for Oklahoma. I mean, Austin, I mean, if you hear in the next couple of weeks that Baker Mayfield did something and rolled his ankle and he can't play, that could be curtains for Oklahoma. And uh, that 2009 season, I can't remember having that high of expectations just fizzle so quickly. Um, and, I, I mean, the, the potential is there for this year. Um, and let's face it, that see, I mean, the Sooners came back in 2011, were ranked number one going into the preseason that year. Yeah. But that, I mean, it never really got any better yeah. and until no, last year for, for this OU program. That at Missouri number one game, I think, was the last kind of moment with Landry Jones when Oklahoma lost. That was it until this Baker Mayfield resurgent year. I, I don't know if maybe it was just the fans that, that really bought into it. I don't know if I did, but I just never really thought that that 2011 team was a team that could actually win a national title, was a number one team or anything like that. This year, it, it might be a little bit different. I, I feel I, I think it is probably, again, the Baker effect in that, I don't know. I just, I don't know. I feel like there is no ceiling for this team just because of the things that Baker was able to do. And I think it's going to be interesting going down to Houston to see how they respond uh, to kind of the bullseye on their back now. It's the first time that they've really been the hunted rather than the hunter uh, that they were, I guess, the last couple years or the last couple games of last season. I think it all comes down to how physical they are in the offensive and defensive line. Because I mean, Clemson has the quarterback. They've got the skilled players. Uh, they've got you know I, I don't know if they have the secondary this year or not. But um, that's what proved last year is yeah. is OU wasn't on an elite level on the we knew they weren't on the offensive line. Uh, without Charles Walker, they weren't on the defensive line. So if they can get better there. They can be there probably playing Clemson for a national championship at the end of the year. But to think everything that's on the line in this first game, Sooner Squad 17, brand new stadium, how far Bob's come. I mean, the firings of Josh Heupel and uh, letting go, you know, retiring of Bobby Jack Wright and, and the Jerry Montgomery drama. I mean, all the stuff this program's been through the last couple of years. To think how much rests on this game against Houston. Uh I'd say, you know, it it probably is one of the top five. I definitely say it's top. It might be one of the top two or three season openers that Bob Stoops has ever had. How do you become more physical over a summer? I, that was a good thread on the board. I thought, you know, you talked a little bit to Matt Diamond about it, and just is it a mentality thing? Can they do things at practice to make them more physical? I I don't know. I, I think it's a I think kind it's of depth. A, a big I mean, question mark. I, you look at Clemson; they had tons of depth. Yeah, I mean, when they lost uh, Shaq Lawson. They brought in other guys yeah. that were really good. And, you know, they're going to need, I think, on the defensive line, that's the biggest thing we've learned about camp is uh, you, not, you don't just have Romar and Wade and uh, um, Walker, but now you have Gallimore. Uh, you got Q Overton. You have uh, uh, DJ Ward coming along. You yeah. have Austin Roberts coming along. You got Amani Bledsoe that you can. I mean, they didn't have this depth a year. Ago. Yeah, it, it's it's, re- it's recruiting. I mean, you can't convince me that Brent Venables, it's as defensive coordinator at Clemson, is out there running much more physical practices than Mike Stoops is. I mean, I Brent Venables was defensive coordinator here in Norman and. Uh, it, it doesn't matter what kind of practices you run if you don't have the Jimmys and the Joes up front. I, I always kind of adhere to that that Switzer mentality of if you want to get stronger, you want to get faster, you go recruit better players. And uh, Oklahoma is starting to do that. So, uh, I, I mean, I don't know if you'll see that depth immediately this year. I think if Oklahoma went up against Clemson again, you would notice it still. 
Uh, but they're working that way. They're working to where that once they get into those elite games against Clemson's and Alabama's, they can hang. And I don't think there's any games before the playoff that they won't be favored. I think Oklahoma will be by far the favorite team outside of that Ohio State game. I think uh, Vegas plays that out right now, yeah. Yeah, so I, I, they'll be the best team in the Big 12 on paper. And I, I mean, I think they'll get to the college football playoff and they'll be just a little outmanned at the trenches again if that's what were to happen. All right, I think this was probably our most nuts and bolts team podcast that we've ever had. Uh, some things we left on the table that we'll get to eventually. Uh, would love to talk about TCU naming Kenny Hill, their starting quarterback, what that's going to mean. OU plays them early in the season. Uh, but for Josh McQuistian, uh, I want to let you guys go ahead and get out to your games that you got to get to tonight. Uh, for Eddie Radosevich and Joe Duvall in studio, appreciate everybody listening. Go uh, Make sure you subscribe on iTunes. You can also check us out on SoundCloud. Uh, but thank you, thank you, thank you to everyone out there. Uh, we're becoming one of the top podcasts on iTunes uh, in the college and high school category. So thank you for being a part of the podcast. Thanks for listening. And we'll see you guys next time here on the Unofficial 40.